New York Giants fans, and welcome to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of your SB Nation family of podcasts. I'm your host, Ed Valentine of Big Blue View, and welcome to a Things I Think Monday edition of the podcast after the uh, Giants' very, very disappointing, very ugly loss on Sunday to the Arizona Cardinals, a, a 26-7 debacle in which a, a lot of things went wrong, but there's a lot of things to talk about. The Giants fell out of first place. Daniel Jones wasn't good. Joe Judge's decision-making in, in playing him and leaving him in was was questionable. The Giants' offense was uh, was putrid, to, uh, to say the least. Special teams wasn't any better. Giants' chances of winning the NFC East took a major, major hit. We will talk about all of those things today as we go forward. Before we really get started and get too deep into this, I just want to apologize if you notice that the uh, that the sound in today's show is a little bit different than it usually is seems like my uh, my my usual microphone is functioning sort of the way that the that the Giants offense did on Sunday which means it's not functioning at all so uh, I'm on a backup microphone today so I apologize if the uh, if the sound quality isn't quite what uh, what you guys are used to but, uh, you know, we, we go with the backup microphone, we go with the Colt McCoy microphone here, and, and we make do, we do the best that we can to, to bring you a show. So, uh, so let's get on with it. Uh, you know, the first thing I think we need to talk about in terms of, of, of things that, that Ed thinks about the Giants on this, uh, on this disappointing Monday is, look, I think that, to di- that Sunday was a reminder of what the New York Giants are. It was really, really easy in this four-game winning streak that the Giants put together to, to forget that the Giants are a very flawed football team, to forget that they are not completely built yet, to forget that they have a first-year head coach in the first year of building a program that this year was never about being a championship team, that it was about progress, it was about putting building blocks in place to go forward with. In a lot of cases, the Giants have done that, but this remains a flawed roster. It remains a roster, especially with Saquon Barkley out for the season. It remains a roster that doesn't have enough offensive playmakers, doesn't have guys you know, who can really break down defenses on their own. Um, it remains a team that, while it has a very, very good defense, it remains a team that doesn't have guys on the defensive front who are dominant players who demand a double team, who are game changers. You know, Leonard Williams was really quiet on Sunday, and Leonard Williams is having a nice year and is a very nice player, and I hope that the Giants bring him back. But Leonard Williams is not Miles Garrett. Leonard Williams is not Chase Young. Leonard Williams is not J.J. Watt or T.J. Watt. He is not that sort of you know, week in and week out game wrecker. He's a guy having a very good year who I hope the Giants bring back, but you can't depend on him week in and week out to be 
a, a absolute stud dominant force you know guy who's going to change games make teams change game plans that's not what he is i mean and, and what your new york giants are still is a developing team a progressing team a team that is still pointed toward the future in the end whether they win the the nfc east in 2020 is still not the main focus. The Giants did not come into this season expecting to be a playoff team, expecting to challenge for any sort of a title. They came into this team into this season trying to lay a foundation for the future. That is still what this season is all about, what it's always been about. And as I said, it was easy to forget the flaws that this team had during its four-game winning streak. Sunday was a stark reminder you know, that the offensive line is still growing and developing, that they don't have enough playmakers, that they still need more pieces around Daniel Jones to be successful, You know that they're still developing as an offense. So just a little bit of a, uh, it's funny, uh, Joe Judge and some of the players were asked about this being a reality check, and and maybe the you know if they were overconfident. And, and the thing about it that, that I think is maybe it's a little bit of a reality check for a fan base that uh, in last week's SB Nation reacts poll uh, had shown that 94% of those who voted were showing confidence in the Giants. And, you know, I didn't blame people for that. After four straight wins, they were in first place in the NFC East, which they no longer are. But just a reminder that that this is not a Super Bowl team. This is not a team that that was ever going to uh, to win a championship this year. And, and and still, you know, they they have an opportunity for the playoffs, which we'll talk about more but uh, but just a reminder that this is a flawed football team shouldn't be expected to be perfect and and kind of knew that at some point uh, you know they weren't going to win out they're not going to they weren't going to win eight straight games to end the season you had to know that that there was a loss or two or a stinker or something like what happened on Sunday it was out there. It was inevitable. It was going to happen, you know, playing some good competition over the next few weeks. And it happened on Sunday. Just a little bit of a reminder that the Giants are still a, a work in progress. All right. The second thing we have to talk about is we have to talk about Daniel Jones. And we have to talk about Joe Judge's decision to play Jones on Sunday, despite the fact that it was brutally obvious that Jones wasn't 100%, that his hamstring wasn't completely healed, and that, that, that Jones couldn't move around and couldn't do the things that make Daniel Jones a weapon for the Giants. He couldn't use his legs. The Giants couldn't do the zone read kinds of things. He couldn't escape the pocket. And, and here's the thing that really disappointed me about the whole situation. Joe Judge spent all of last week and all of the week before, you know, when Judge when Jones sat out the the game against the Seattle Seahawks, talking about how you couldn't really listen to Daniel Jones when it came to making this decision. Talking about how 
he had to use his eyes. The coaching staff had to use their eyes and determine what they saw in terms of how Daniel Jones looked, not what Daniel Jones said in terms of how he felt. And as I watched that game unfold, I thought that Judge did not use his eyes. And he said after the game, when he was questioned about Jones and about why he didn't pull him at halftime, which I thought he should have, to be honest with you. I didn't blame Judge for playing Jones, but when it became obvious that he couldn't protect himself, that he couldn't move around, that he couldn't make any plays, what I wrote at Big Blue View is that Jones was a sitting duck in the pocket, which I thought he was. He, he got back to his spot and he stayed there. And he looked around and, and if if there was somebody open, he threw the ball. And if there wasn't anybody open, he stood there and he waited for somebody to hit him. And, and that's not how you play quarterback in the NFL. That's not a successful recipe. Um, you know, when there's nobody open, you need to be able to get out of the pocket. You need to be able to move around. You need to be able to extend a play. And, and Daniel Jones couldn't do that on on Sunday. And, and getting back to uh, to Judge, the thing that really disappointed me is, you know, Judge had said he wanted Daniel Jones to be able to protect himself. I didn't think Judge, I didn't think Jones could protect himself well on Sunday. The thing that, that bothered me was listening to Joe Judge in the postgame. After spending nearly two weeks talking about how you couldn't listen to Daniel Jones, how you had to use your eyes when it came to making a decision as to whether he should be playing or not, Judge consistently referred to having conversations with Jones throughout the game, having talked to Jones throughout the game, having checked with him on how he felt, and getting positive reinforcement from Jones that he was okay, that he could continue, and, and all of those things. And, and for me, that's the absolute opposite of what Joe Judge said for two weeks that he needed to do. He needed to use his eyes, not listen to what Jones said, because Jones was going to tell him he was okay. Judge said consistently that he knew that. Jones was going to push to play. He was going to tell the head coach that he was fine. And of course, he did those things. He even said after the game that he felt he was fine to play. And the disappointing thing for me was that I felt like Joe Judge did not use his eyes. He listened to what Judge said, and he heard what he wanted to hear, what he hoped to hear that that was, you know, that Jones could continue. You know, when the evidence, using your eyes, and even, you know, sitting there watching television, the evidence was clear that Daniel Jones couldn't really do the things necessary to do to play quarterback at the NFL level uh, on Sunday. So so that really, really disappointed me, Giants fans. You know, for me, I call it, you know, I, I love Joe Judge as a head coach. I think he's got a long future as a head coach. I think he's he's the right head coach for the Giants at this time. But for me, this goes down as the biggest mistake of, of Judge's tenure to this point. And, and, and I'm not saying mistake in terms of actually playing Jones. I don't blame him for trying because, 
you know, looking at him in practice, looking at him move around, you might think one thing. But I think the mistake for me was not recognizing, you know, at halftime or or early in the third quarter or early, you know, at some point in the game, you know, I would have removed him at halftime, to be honest with you. But the mistake for me was not recognizing that that the Giants needed to protect the young man and get him out of there and, and give themselves a better chance to run an offense by putting Colt McCoy in the game. And that's not to say by any stretch of the imagination that Colt McCoy is a better quarterback, but Colt McCoy was a, at least a healthy quarterback who had an opportunity to protect himself and, and had the ability to move up in the pocket, maybe to move sideways, maybe to break the pocket he had an opportunity to give his offensive line some help, and Daniel Jones couldn't do that on Sunday. I was disappointed in Joe Judge for not using his eyes and seeing that and making a decision to get Jones out of the game. All right, Giants fans, um, I'll get off my soapbox on that particular topic. Let's take a short break for a word from our SB Nation sponsors. When we come back, I have a few more uh, things, I think, a few more topics to uh, to hit uh, in relation to uh, to Sunday's game and the uh, this general state of the NFC East. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. All right, Giants fans, we're back here on the Valentine's Views podcast, and we're going through some things, I think, in relation to the Giants after Sunday's lopsided loss to the Arizona Cardinals. Let's uh, let's talk right now about the, the NFC East and about playoff odds. Obviously, the loss, you know, put the Giants uh, at 5-8, and eight. And, you know, Sunday turned into, you know, what I referred to at Big Blue View as sort of the worst case scenario for the Giants. The Washington football team won, which means Washington is now 6-7, and seven, has a full game advantage over the Giants in the division. The Philadelphia Eagles, led by new rookie quarterback Jalen Hurts, also won. And the Dallas Cowboys beat up on the Cincinnati Bengals you know, 30 to 7. So both of the teams below the Giants, you know, moved a little bit closer, you know, putting the Giants in that precarious spot where, you know, they might win the division, they might finish last. But, uh, you know, Washington, 
showed really, really good defense, got two defensive touchdowns on Sunday against the San Francisco 49ers, uh, didn't get much from their offense, you lost Alex Smith to, to an injury, and you know, cross your fingers, hope Alex Smith is okay. After everything that man's been through, he deserves an opportunity to play. So, uh, you know, at least for me, I hope I hope Smith is okay. Apparently has a calf strain. And to be honest with you, I hope he's able to uh, to play the last three games. Uh, I think the man deserves the opportunity. But what I wanted to talk about is the, the NFC East odds. Entering Sunday, you know, most places that that put out these these projections, places like 538, ESPN's Football Power Index, Football Outsiders that does playoff odds. Uh, all of these places had the Giants with more than a 50% chance to uh, to win the NFC East. A week later, uh, not the case. A week later, most of these places are, are you know, looking at the Giants with, with maybe a 1-4 or a 1-3 chance of, of winning the NFC East with the... Uh, with with the Washington football team somewhere between 65 and 75% uh likely to to win the division uh, for me I think the best case scenario for the Giants looking at uh, the final 3 games of the season the best case scenario I think the Giants need to hope that Washington goes 1 and 2 over its final 3 games the Giants need to you know I don't think the Giants are going to sweep their final three games. You're looking at this coming Sunday on Sunday night football against the Cleveland Browns. Then you're looking at at a road trip to face the Baltimore Ravens and ending the season against the Dallas Cowboys. I think the Giants need to hope to win two out of three, get to seven wins, hope that Washington only wins one of its final three games, in which case both teams would finish with seven victories and the Giants would uh, would take the NFC East title by virtue of having the tiebreaker since they beat Washington in, in both of their meetings this year. Problem is that on paper, the, the Washington football team has a softer schedule than your New York Giants. The Giants have the Browns, Ravens, and Cowboys. Two winning teams out of the three, plus a division rival game against Dallas. The uh, The Washington football team faces Seattle this coming Sunday, then has the 4-9 the Carolina Panthers who have you know, come back to reality after an early season surge. I think, I think Carolina's lost seven out of its last eight or six out of its last seven. Uh, something like that, and and then Washington finishes with the Philadelphia Eagles, and who knows what we're going to see out of the Eagles, you know, three weeks from now. But on paper, the Washington football team has an easier schedule going forward than your New York Giants. So the fact that Washington was able to win on Sunday, and the fact that Washington was able to to knock off the previously unbeaten Pittsburgh Steelers the week before are really devastating blows to the Giants when it comes to their playoff hopes. Um, you know, the Giants still have an opportunity here. There's still big football games to be played. Still kind of fun to be looking at these scenarios and going over them in December. But obviously, things don't look nearly as good 
for the Giants as they did um, a week or so ago. All right, couple more things to talk about. Uh, just want to talk about the uh, the offense a little bit. Listen, this is three straight weeks now that the Giants have failed to score 20 points. It's three straight weeks that uh, that things haven't gone as well as as they could uh, on offense. Looked for a while after early season struggles, like the Giants had had turned a corner on offense. They were they were moving forward. They were finding ways to run the football. They were finding ways to generate some big plays. Daniel Jones was looking increasingly comfortable on offense, and, and sort of what has happened is that the Jones injury has sort of of put a damper on all of that. You know, Jones obviously didn't look like the same quarterback on Sunday, and I'm not going to kill him for that. Yeah, he fumbled the ball three times. Yeah, he he wasn't as accurate as as you'd like to see him be. And, and I'm just not going to kill him for that because he wasn't healthy. He obviously wasn't himself. He wasn't the same guy as we had seen in the two or three games, you know, before he was injured. So I'm I'm not going to kill him for that because I think we all know, you know, what it's like to try to do things when we're not healthy, when we're not 100%, when we have some sort of a physical limitation. And, and you think about it all the time. You protect it. You You may not even do it on purpose, but you do. And I think that Jones was in that situation on Sunday where he was always cognizant of what he couldn't do rather than just playing the football game, using his natural instincts, using his legs, and and being a playmaker, I think he was in a situation where it was very, very difficult for him. Also very, very difficult for Jason Garrett to call plays without some of the uh, the things that, that they would normally rely on, the zone reads and, and that kind of stuff, and even moving the pocket, which they really couldn't do, because you know because Jones' legs just wouldn't allow it. But, you know, the two things that really came to light during the game on, on Sunday, there were several times when Daniel Jones was standing in the pocket, and we know he was under duress. We know he that he and Colt McCoy got sacked eight times. We know, you know, looking at the pro football focus stats, there was pressure on Jones or McCoy on, I think, 24 out of 32 dropbacks, which is a ridiculous 75%. The offensive line, you know, the, the numbers weren't good. I think Andrew Thomas gave up seven pressures, two sacks, um, you know, regressing horribly from the previous five games in which he had shown a lot of progress, hadn't given up so much as a pressure in the two previous games. And and all of, you know, Matt Pert didn't play well in limited snaps. Cam Fleming, you know, didn't play well. Shane Lemieux's pass protection is, is a serious issue. But, uh, you know, going back to Thomas quickly, I think that that the thing that I need to say, the thing that I want to say is, look, if we thought, you know, that that Andrew Thomas was was never going to have a bad game again, then, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Guys have bad games. All pro players have bad games every so often. It's like thinking Daniel Jones will never fumble again. That's not reality. It was discouraging to see 
But as I also look at at that game, and I haven't had an opportunity to rewatch the game, and to be honest, I really am looking forward to an opportunity to rewatch the the game with the all twenty two game film from my NFL Game Pass. I think that a lot of what I'm going to find is that some of the sacks, some of the breakdowns weren't necessarily poor offensive line blocking technique. I think there were breakdowns in assignments. There were too many free runners. The first sack, the strip sack by Marcus Golden of Daniel Jones, you know, was was a free runner. No one even tried to block Marcus Golden. He had a free shot at Daniel Jones. And and there was very little Jones could do about it. He was a sitting duck. He couldn't move. He I'm not even sure he he felt or or knew that that Golden was coming. Um, there were two or three of those during the game. There were also instances to me where the Giants wide receivers you know let let uh, Jones down. And it pointed out once again that the Giants do need to spend some resources this offseason, whether that's in the draft, whether that's in free agency, or both, you know, looking to upgrade that position. Uh, we, we looked at Darius Slayton earlier in the season, and Slayton is a nice player. But I think what we've seen from Slayton in recent weeks, and I don't know if he's 100% healthy or not, I know that Daniel Jones targeted him a whole lot on Sunday. Um, But what I think we've seen from Darius Slayton is that he's a nice player. He's got speed. He's got some route running ability. He can make plays. But what, what I think we're seeing is that Slayton is not really a number one receiver. He's not a top 10 or top 12 NFL wide receiver. When he's put in situations where teams can put their number one corner on him and shadow him, or when teams roll a little bit of coverage or a little bit of extra attention his way, he's not at a point in his career, and he may never be at a point in his career, where where that's something he can deal with on a consistent basis. Chris Flum at Big Blue View does his weekly stats and analytical post, and the, the next-gen stats numbers are really, really bad when for the Giants when it comes to uh, separation created by wide receivers. I think Slayton was worst in the league in Week 14. Sterling Shepard wasn't much better. Golden Tate wasn't much better. Uh, Evan Ingram may have been the only, you know, only receiver on the roster to uh, to even hit league average in terms of uh, of separation as a receiver. So, you know, I think there were times when Daniel Jones was sitting in the pocket looking and looking and looking and the protection was okay, but between no one being open and Jones not being able to step up or not being able to step out to the side and get out of the pocket and extend a play, you know, eventually pass protection is going to break down. And, you know, I've talked to other offensive linemen in the past and they always say, you know, every sack has a story. Every sack, it's every sack has, you know, unique elements to it. It's not always, you know, a certain guy got beat 
or you know whatever you know whatever might be the right tackle got beat or the left tackle got beat or the center got beat or whatever there's always a story and i think a big part of the story of the pressure that was on giants quarterbacks on sunday was the the lack of ability of giants wide receivers to separate and it points out you know what we what i was talking about at the top of the show the fact that this Giants team is still a work in progress. It still doesn't have all of the pieces that it needs. It misses the the home run hitting ability of Saquon Barkley, which we haven't talked about for weeks on end now, but but it doesn't have that that home run hitter who can who can really bail an offense out. And and you know, Daniel Jones has partially been that home run hitter and, and couldn't do that this week. Don't know if he'll be able to do that, you know, this coming Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. We'll have to see, uh, you know, how his health progresses and whether he's in any better, uh, any better position this this coming Sunday than than he was uh, against the Cardinals. You know, the way Jones was was limping around on on Sunday toward the end of that game makes you worry about uh, about what kind of condition he'll be in, uh, you know, going forward. You know, on Sunday night against the Browns, but. You know, my, my overall point, you know, again, is that the Giants are still a work in progress. There's still a lot to be done. Um, they still need more pieces in a lot of places. But, Giants fans, there's still, you know, some some important football to be played. We're still in a better place. We're still talking about important games in December, and it's been several years since we've been able to do that. So look at the bright side, Giants fans. You know, try to try to keep uh, keep your chin up, stay optimistic, and we'll see what happens over the over the season's final three games. All right, I think that'll do it for uh, for the show for today, Giants fans. Thank you very very much as always for listening. Please remember to subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Check out the shows that Nick Filato does. Check out the Chris and Joe show here on, on Big Blue View Radio. And and if you can't get enough of our podcasts, check out the, the uh, daily SB Nation NFL show, which, uh, which has a different show with a different topic, different set of co-hosts covering the entire league on Mondays through Fridays. So uh, check out all of those shows, Giants fans. Please remember, stay safe. Take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye.